Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, commercial pilots for decades have been pretty much forced to keep their mouths shut uh, with relation to any UFO sightings they might have. And that was something that was talked about recently by uh, retired Navy pilot Ryan Graves in an op-ed that appeared in Newsweek that, uh, a few days back. And I'll leave the link for this so you can check it out for yourself. But I want to go through this article and talk about what he's saying here and the implications of this. And actually, it's something. A lot of this is, is are this is things that a lot of us have known. These, these are. It's not. This is not something new. There. Are, I mean, we've heard reports over decades about different pilots, commercial pilots. I mean, they have nowhere to go, and if they do say something, they end up losing their jobs. And we'll talk about that too later. Uh, anyway, the uh, headline reads, I testified before Congress on UFOs. What I told him was the tip of the iceberg. So, um, <clears throat> of course, Ryan Graves, along with uh, uh, other uh, fellow retired Navy pilot David Fravor and also whistleblower uh, David Grush, testified on July 26th before the House Oversight Committee. And uh, he talked about his own experiences, among other things. But here he's talking about uh, the problems that a lot of commercial pilots have encountered, in addition to, of course, military pilots. But we'll get into this uh, opinion piece. It says here, uh, two Navy pilots testified under oath to Congress about how unidentified anomalous phenomena pose a potential national security and safety of flight risk last month. I was one of them. My story is this. Nine years ago, my FA-18 squadron operating off the coast of Virginia Beach observed and tracked UAP that had infiltrated military airspace. The UAP had no visible propulsion or lifting surfaces, but could remain motionless in Category 4 hurricane winds, accelerate to supersonic, and operate all day, outlasting our fighter jets by 10 hours or more. They even caused near-mid-air collisions with our jets, triggering mandatory safety reports. Today, these same UAP are still being seen. We still don't know what they are, and our government has no idea of the scope of the problem. That's because pilots, both commercial and military, are encouraged, are encountering UAP, and the majority of these cases are going unreported. Yeah, they are going unreported. Now, now there is some sort of a uh, process for military pilots to report these things, of course, as we know, but uh, for commercial pilots, there's nothing. The FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, has nothing. Anyway, continuing here, it says uh, Graves, he founded Americans for Safe Aerospace, the fastest growing UAP nonprofit in the world with more than 8,200 members because I believe we need to find out. When, when I testified last week, I also shared with Congress how more than 30 UAP witnesses, commercial pilots and veterans, have reached out to Americans for Safe Aerospace to detail their encounters, and dozens more have contacted us since I testified at the UAP hearing. So uh, more people are starting to open their uh, mind, or open their mouths to this, to, to his organization that he recently formed, a nonprofit, um, Americans for Safe Aerospace. So there's more pilots now talking to him, which is a good thing. Uh, because it need, these people should have somewhere to go to. It's unfortunate that they can't. There's nowhere within the government. The, if you if you if you're a commercial pilot and you start saying anything, the FAA you're gonna you're gonna get in trouble. And we'll talk about that as we go through here. Go through this. It says witnesses reach out to us for two reasons. First, they trust us, and second, there is no official system for commercial pilots to report UAP. The majority of UAP witnesses I talk to are commercial pilots at major airlines. Often, they are veterans with decades of flying. Experience. Pilots are reporting UAP at altitudes that appear to be above them at 40,000 feet, 
potentially in low Earth orbit or in the gray zone below, below the Kármán line, making inexplicable maneuvers like right-hand turns and retrograde orbits or J-hooks. Sometimes these reports are recurring with numerous recent sightings north of Hawaii and the North Atlantic. Our most recent report was from Tuesday, from, so just a week ago. The FAA has no direct process for commercial pilots to report unidentified or anomalous objects in our airspace. FAA regulations direct pilots to report UAP incidents to civilian organizations without official follow-up or analysis via a verified official data set. <clears throat> Let me just stop there for a second. Now think about how ridiculously insane this is. Okay, now say you're a commercial pilot and you see a Russian... Uh, fighter jets flying past you you're going to report that and there's going to be action taken however say you're a commercial pilot and you see some giant flying saucer uh maybe a few of them uh along with some other weird objects tailing them and you if you say anything about that they're going to tell you to not to say anything or or, or just go to some civilian group and, and and tell them about it go to go to uh, mufon and let them know or, or maybe uh, file your uh, re report with the National UFO Reporting Center or something like that. That's what they're, that's unbelievable. I mean, you hear this like a lot of times, you know, after they closed Project Blue Book, a lot of citizens were used to calling up the Air Force when they saw something. And as time went on, after Blue Book was closed in 69, you know, some people would still, 70s into the 80s, they'll call up the Air Force. Hey, man, there was something I saw last night. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you, yeah, but why do you call up uh, uh, MUFON or... or, or uh, some local ufo organization and tell them about it or better yet why don't you call your local police let them handle it like how are the police going to handle something like that how are the police supposed to handle something like ufos i mean when you really think about it people are seeing extraordinary flying objects and, and they report them they call up the air force and the air force isn't interested i mean doesn't isn't that funny I mean, would they be interested if they were uh, Russian or Chinese fighter jets? Would that interest them? I'm sure it would. I brought this up before, but it's just something that people seem to forget. Like how insane it is that our uh, you can't civilians if they have an encounter with something, they, they, they don't contact the military. Contact your local police, or maybe contact MUFON and file a report with them. We're not interested. We don't deal with we don't deal with UFOs. We're only the Air Force. Anyway, <clears throat> continuing here, it says this lack of FAA interest perpetuates stigma for commercial pilots and discourages them from coming forward. Further, commercial pilots face potential retaliation from their employers, including cease and desist letters for speaking publicly. Pilots are afraid of potential administrative punishment or failure to achieve medical flight status for reporting UAP. Uh <laughs> See, that's, that, that bugs me. I mean, so say you have some an amazing sighting of a UFO and, and maybe it come, almost collides with a commercial plane that has like 250 passengers in it. You're not supposed to report that. And if you do report it, uh, or if you say anything about it publicly, you're, you'll probably end up getting fired or demoted or who knows. Anyway, continuing here, it says commercial pilots are highly trained observers of our skies. Let me just stop there for a second. A lot of debunkers out there, like the Michael Shermers of the world, they'll, they'll tell you, no, they're not highly trained observers. Even though these people, even though these people are just sitting on their armchairs every day, day in, day out, uh, de denying that there's any uh, veracity to these stories. I mean, they they've that's not it's not like they've ever gone out and actually seen anything or or in the planes where these things happen. They just sit back and they they deny it and and uh, they they they'll tell you they'll try to tell you 
media stuff like pilots aren't highly observed uh, uh highly trained observers they, they'll try to tell you stuff like that but that's that's a falsity as as uh ryan points out here he says in fact our government invests millions in training military pilots to distinguish friend from foe and pilots lives depend on accurate identification and many military pilots go on to work for commercial airlines yeah they are uh, trained observers of course sometimes do pilots make mistakes of course i'm sure that they do i'm sure that sometimes they might see something and it might be a balloon or or a drone or something or starlink a train of starlink satellite could be all kinds of things but there are some things that are most certainly not uh, mundane uh, so there are certainly things that are out there that are extraordinary that uh, are, are most most likely extraterrestrial anyway continuing here it says why then is our government turning its back on the UAP reports from credible eyewitnesses who are responsible for the safety of millions and are motivated to protect our national security? Uh, <clears throat> let me just stop there for a second. The reason is, is because they really can't control it. I mean, let's let's be realistic here. They cannot control this. I mean, how could how could any military on this planet, uh, human mi mi uh, military? How could how could it control something that could be tens of thousands, if not a million years or more? Uh, more advanced than the human races. They just they can't. There's no control over it, so they pretend it's not there. Anyway, if commercial pilots are routinely observing new foreign drones north of Hawaii, why wouldn't we want to track those reports? I'll tell you why. Because again, like I just said, they they can't do anything about it. That's why they can't do anything. There's that's out completely out of our control. Why would the FAA not want to assess potential safety of flight implications? Uh, because the FAA basically is control. Like the, the pull and the strings for the FAA are people within the control group. That's what's going on. The FAA has to, has to take their marching orders from other organizations, and they they just want to. They don't want people to know about what's what's going on in the skies. Uh, and then finally, he says, "Why does our government want to leave open a?" open a domain awareness gap that could pose a flight risk and national security risk because they can't do anything about it that's why uh, pilots are reporting sightings of unidentified and anomalous objects that are not rare nor isolated they are routine it is high time we pay attention yes it is high time we pay attention brian most certainly it is this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Uh, but, uh... As you can see, this is a problem. It's been a problem for a long time, and and pilots are they don't want to say anything because of commercial pilots. I want to focus today on commercial pilots. Uh, what Ryan is saying here: commercial pilots see these things, and what are they supposed to do? If they say anything, uh, they could lose their job, and that's as simple as that. Or uh, and and the other thing is, if they go, especially they don't want you to go public with it. Commercial pilots are not allowed to go. They, if they go public, that's a big no-no. I mean, you're looking at 
definitely losing your job. And it has happened for decades. Over For decades now, things like this have happened. For instance, uh, the uh, uh, Japan cargo, J- Japan Airlines cargo flight 1628 incident from back in November of 1986, uh, where a pilot reported extraordinary encounter with UFOs and, uh, and was basically uh, demoted after it was all said and done. And here's an article from AnchoragePress.com. I'll leave the link for this one. Unfriendly Skies, the Extraordinary Flight of Japanese Airlines 1628, Alaska's Best Known UFO Encounter. Now, probably a lot of you have heard this, but I want to go through it again because this is very interesting, uh, especially the aftermath. I think the aftermath of this is extremely interesting. Uh, anyway, this article is by Lawrence Weiss. Uh, November 17th of this year will mark the 33rd anniversary of one of the best documented UFO cases ever, and it happened in the skies above Alaska. Of course, this took place. This article was written several years back. Three UFOs played tag with Japanese Airlines cargo flight 1628 for 50 minutes while they were visually observed by a sometimes terrified flight crew. During the last 30 minutes, the UFOs were tracked on military and civilian radar, and the entire encounter was verified by a high-level administrator of the Federal Aviation Administration. The incident received media coverage all over the world. Here's what happened. Japan Airlines Captain Kenju Terauchi was an ex-fighter pilot and senior airline pilot with more than 10,000 hours flight experience. He was assigned to fly a Japan Airlines cargo flight from Paris to Rizhkvalvik, Anchorage, and on to Tokyo. On November 17th, 5.09 p.m. Alaska time, the Anchorage Air Route Traffic Control Center contacted 1628, which at that time was about 104 miles northeast of Fort Yukon. The flight controller asked the pilot to adjust his heading so the plane would pass south of Fort Yukon and Fairbanks. The co-pilot turned the plane to the left about 15 degrees. Captain Tara Uchi, sitting on the left side of the cockpit, saw unidentified lights out his side window to the left and below. He thought they were military planes and ignored them. After a few minutes, he realized that these unidentified aircraft were pacing him. Flight 1628 contacted the Anchorage Center twice in rapid succession and asked if there were any other aircraft in the area. The Anchorage Center responded that there were no military aircraft and ground radar did not show any aircraft other than Flight 1628. Then the two lights began to move in an erratic manner. Terry Uchi recollected in his official report to the FAA, listed here below, and edited it for length and clarity. <clears throat> and this is what he said. He said, the distance from the lights was far enough from us and we felt no immediate danger. I thought perhaps it is a UFO. The lights were still moving strange- strangely. Most unexpectedly, two spaceships appeared directly in front of the plane, shooting off lights. The inside cockpit shined brightly and I felt the warmth of the UFO thrusters on my face then three to seven seconds later the fire like from jet engines stopped and became a small circle of lights as they began to fly in level flight at the same speed as we were the middle of the body of the ship sparked on an occasional stream of lights like a charcoal file fire its shape was a square flying 500 feet to a thousand feet in front of us very slightly higher in altitude than us. Its size was about the same size as the body of a DC-8, similar in size to a Boeing 707. It is impossible. And this is what the captain said. He said it wasn't what, he, what he was seeing was impossible for a man-made machine to make a sudden appearance in front of a jumbo jet that is flying 910 kilometers per hour and to move along in a formation paralleling our aircraft. But we did not feel threatened or in danger. Honestly, we were simply astounded. I have no idea why they came so close to us. There was a pale white 
flat light in the direction where the ships flew away, pacing us. The Anchorage Center replied that they saw nothing on their radar. I set our digital weather radar distance to 20 miles, radar angle, a- angle to horizon. There it was on the screen. A large green round object had appeared seven or eight miles away in the direction of the object. We arrived at the, at the sky above the Isleson Air Force Base and Fairbanks. It was a clear night. We were just above the bright city lights, and we checked the pale white light behind us. There was a silhouette of a gigantic spaceship. We must get away quickly. A terrified Captain Teriyuchi, in coordination with the Anchorage Center, attempted evasive maneuvers such as flying in a circle and changing altitude. The gigantic UFO, later described by Teriyuchi as the size of two aircraft carriers, shadowed Flight 1628 throughout through all maneuvers. Now let's just stop there for a second. Imagine, imagine seeing something that size. Two, two aircraft carriers all of a sudden just floating out there. Big giant Saturn-shaped saucer object. Flying along with you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Anyway, Teriyuchi wondered and feared as to their purpose. Anchorage Center offered to scramble a military jet, but Captain Teriyuchi declined the offer, fearing unintended consequences of a military confrontation with the UFO. About that time, a United Airlines passenger jet flew into the same air zone and was requested by the ATC to get a visual on the situation. Teriyuchi reported, When the United plane came by our side, the spaceship disappeared suddenly. The strange encounter ended 150 miles away from Anchorage. And this is where it gets interesting. This John Callahan, who was, uh, uh, he was at the time, in 1986, he was the FAA Division Chief of the Accidents and Investigation Branch in, in Washington, D.C. And he investigated this. Uh, it says here, about a week after the Flight 1628 incident, he got an urgent call from Alaska. Callahan's recollections were recorded in an interview conducted circa 2000. His comments, too, are edited here for brevity and clarity. Now, I've seen Callahan comment uh, several times on different in different occasions. I think I believe in one of the occasions was uh, uh, the National Press Club event that uh, they had in Washington in 2000. And I know I've seen him on some... Uh, at least one documentary talking about what 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 he experienced and how basically he was told to shut up and forget forget about this, which is amazing. But the fact that this guy was the he, he this was a former FAA division chief of the Accidents and Investigations Branch from Washington D.C. had the guts to step forward and talk about how this is getting covered up behind the scenes. Anyway, uh, here's what he said. He says, I forgot who it was that called, but he says, we got a problem here. I don't know what to tell the media. The whole FAA office is full of the media from Alaska. Callahan asks, what's the problem? He says, it's that UFO. I said, what UFO? He says, well, last week we had a UFO chase a 747 across the skies up here for about 30 minutes or so. 
I told him to get all that data together. I wanted all the civilian and military disks that they had and all the tapes that they had available and flown overnight to the tech center where I'm sitting. The military refused to send their tapes, but he got everything Anchorage Traffic Control had. We told him that we wanted this room set up to be just like it was at Anchorage, and we wanted all the data to come to this scope radar monitor, and we want to see everything the controller has seen. We want to hear everything he heard, and we wanted it all tied together, the radar, the digital radar, and the sound. When Callahan played the tapes, he heard a three-way conversation between Anchorage Air Traffic Control, Elmendorf's NORAD Regional Operations Control Center and Captain Teriyuchi of Flight 1628. He also played a tape of the ATC radar sightings on a scope. Anchorage Air, Traf- Air Traffic Control didn't see the UFOs on their radar, but based on their conversation, the military were clearly traffic tra- tracking the UFOs, Callahan explained. The military controller has what they call height-finding radar, and they have long-range radar and short-range radar, so if they don't catch it on one of their systems, they catch it on the other. Ours wouldn't record it, Callahan said. Details reported by the military controller indicated that the UFOs were traveling thousands of miles per hour as they maneuvered in the airspace around the 747. So again, they're traveling thousands of miles per hour doing circles basically around a 747 there's no way that this was something that's man-made absolutely uh was absolutely correct in his statement how could it have been anyway continuing here it says the military controller had one other surprise finding near the end of the incident a united airlines flight was diverted to observe the japan flight by then captain teriyuchi no longer saw the ufo and the United Pilot did not see it either. Unbeknownst to both of them, the military radar clearly indicated that the UFO had tucked in and out of sight behind the United flight and had begun following it. After sitting through the presentation, Callahan's boss turned to him and said, don't talk to anybody until I give you the okay. The next day, his boss set up a briefing. According to Callahan, I brought all the people from the tech center. We went upstairs. We had all kinds of boxes and data that we handed them, printouts. It filled up the room. They brought in three people from the FBI, three people from the CIA, and three people from Reagan's scientific study team. And I don't know who the rest of the people were, but they were all excited. Callahan and his staff showed the assemblage everything they had and answered a lot of technical questions. When they got done, they actually swore all these other guys in, into this never took place, we never had this meeting, and this was never recorded. This was one of the guys from the CIA. CIA. I asked them at the time, I don't know why you're saying this. I mean, if there was something there, and if it's not the then-in-development stealth bomber, then you know it's a UFO. And if it's a UFO, why wouldn't you want the people to know? And the guy from the CIA, what did he say? He said... If they come out and told the American public that they ran into a UFO out there, it would cause panic across the country. So therefore, we can't talk about it. And we're taking all this data. They did, but Callahan Callahan had copies of everything in his office, and that was interesting. Callahan kept copies, and he didn't tell them about it. And he he revealed all that information later on. But all these people, these these CIA guys, FBI guys, hey, you can't talk about this. This this meeting never happened. Forget about this incident. That's how they've been handling it. And and if, if the American public knew about this, there'd be panic across the country. That's what they were thinking back in '86 uh, after this happened. Think about that. They think we're a bunch of dumbbells that can't deal with this reality. I still don't buy that. I, I just can't buy that. I I, I, I I used to believe that. I used to, I, I was at one point, as everyone knows, I, I had myself believing, I had myself convinced that the main reason was because this whole, if they were to reveal the truth about this, there would be panic. 
But I think it has to do with the reverse engineering. That's I, 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 that's where I'm at right now. I, maybe the panic has something to do with it, but uh, I, I just can't see that being the main reason. I mean, at this point, I believe the human races, they could deal with this. They could deal with it. It's not a big issue. Hey, I know that they're here, right? All these other people who've studied this or have had encounters of, the, of their own, they know it's here. They're all living their lives, right? They're not running through the streets panicking. Anyway, continuing. Well, Callahan said, when they asked me about, asked me what I thought, I told them that it looked like we had a UFO. Wait, well, I went, uh, hold on a second. When they asked me what I thought, I told them that it looked like we had a UFO that was up there. As far as I was, I was concerned, Reagan's science team were the ones that verified my own thoughts about it. They were very, very excited about the data. They had said at the time that this was the only time, and they had used the words of a UFO was ever recorded on radar for any length of time. So that's interesting. So basically the team, and Reagan, as we all know, was very interested in this whole subject. He talked, he talked about it on multiple occasions. And here's the epilogue. Uh, this is a great article, by the way. So I'll leave the link for you so you can check it out. The epilogue is, within months of the incident, Captain Teriyuchi was banished to a desk job because he had embarrassed the company. He was fully reinstated a few years later. John Callahan retired from the FAA became an industry consultant and periodically recounted the true story of Flight 1628. So yeah, Captain Teriyuchi was banished to eject desk job for a little while. You know, see that's the punishment of you if you go if you dare talk about these things in public. You're a you're a pilot, right? You dare. You have the audacity to tell the public what you're seeing up there, right? Oh, oh, oh guess what? You're done. You're done. Guess what? Desk job for you, buddy. Don't ever do that again. I hope you learn your lesson. Let that be a lesson for anybody else out there, any other uh, smart guy who wants to talk about UFOs that they see. You're not allowed to do that. I'm so sick of this. I hate stories like this. I hate it. But this is exactly what's been going on. It's still going on. See, I pointed out that story. That's from 1986, right? Look at all these years later, almost 40 years later here, right? 40 years later almost. And, and, and this, the, the, there's still nothing in place for commercial pilots. They have nowhere to go. Hey, yeah, go, go tell MUFON about it instead. Don't tell us about it. And whatever you do, don't go public. We, we might, uh, you might be, uh, we'll give you a job uh, scrubbing floors at the airport instead. That's how it's all set up. It's all set up. It's all, it's all threats, intimidation, just like Rush said. That's what's going on behind the scenes. You, you know that is. There, there's, there's, there's a group of people who, uh, for some reason, have a, have power that was granted them by someone and somehow, I don't know how, to have control over this information and to make sure that no one in the public hears about it or thinks about it or thinks that and instead would rather you think it's stupid and silly so they'll send their goofball clown show out there like the Michael Shermers and the Mick Wests, right? They might be all part of this. Who knows? I mean, I, I don't understand why these guys are so hell-bent against this. I mean, I'm starting to wonder now are they all part of this are they just i don't know you know maybe they're part of the cover-up too i mean he's throwing out their stink bombs all the time against people talking about stephen greenstreet ever read that guy from the new york post i can't believe that guy's not fired i can't believe he's not fired at this point that guy should be fired if i mean how could a, a, a newspaper a major newspaper in this country have someone who talks like that online makes makes terrible statements calls people goofballs and things like that I mean that's okay for if you're if he was doing his own little program, but he's he's a representative of the New York Post. I mean, you know, you wouldn't think that the New York Post would be wanting to do that, but I guess they don't care. I guess that's because they are junk, right? I mean, the New York Post is a pile of crap. I mean, you know, so maybe that's what it is. I mean, it's just a complete scandal sheet. That's all it is. 
yellow journalism at its at its finest, at its at its stinkiest. But yeah, uh, it's a shame what's going on. But I'm glad that uh, Ryan Graves has put that organization together, so there's at least some place for pilots to talk about what they know. Because uh, the FAA really has nothing for these guys, uh, for these pilots. Right? They have nothing. They have nowhere to go. And hey, make sure you don't talk about it publicly. Or guess what? We're going to give you the boot. So that's how things are, and that's how they've been. They've been this way for a long time. It's time for it to end, along with the cover-up and along with all this other nonsense. It's time for all of this to come to an end. Anyway, thanks for joining me. Until next time.